Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. Well, so this morning, I want to talk to you from a message that I'm simply calling Stay Out of the Trap. Stay Out of the Trap. Stay Out of the Trap. Come on, just us chickens here this morning at 9 o'clock, let's be real with each other. Y'all ever had a mouse in the house? Ever had mice running around? Come on. You, you may act like you bougie and don't know nobody knows mice. Every one of us, from the poorhouse to the palace, we've all had a rat get in somewhere, right? Is there anything more disgusting, more irritating than when you hear those little feet ticking around? It's a rat in this house somewhere. Yeah, I know, man. I can't stand them. And if we just keep it 100 right here, like, like, like we really don't want to just catch that cute little mouse and take him outside and, and release him into the wild. No, I know y'all. Y'all want to kill him. Yes, you do. And you wouldn't mind if he suffers a little bit for how much he's made you suffer, right? We want to kill that thing. So, so what do you do? You come up with a plan. And you, you start thinking like a mouse thinks, right? Uh-huh, okay, okay, okay. Now, this, I know he's here. I don't see him yet, but I hear him sometimes, and I see some of the evidence. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He's been here. You start thinking like a mouse. Where is he going to go? What is it that he likes? What can he not live without? Huh, you start thinking like a mouse, and you start putting together a mouse destruction plan, Right? So, so, so you get your trap and listen, just take it from an old pro here. Don't mess around with those cheap traps. You got to get the victory mouse trap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The victory, that's the one, that's the one. It'll catch it every time. Don't waste your money on the other junk, but you put your trap out, put a little peanut butter on that thing. You've gotten good at setting the thing. Tell the truth. Morning comes around. And you know what's in that trap. You know it, you've seen it before. And, and, and you know you go to that trap and yeah, it might be a little bit gross, right? It might be a little bit nasty and disgusting what you see in the trap. Tell the truth. You are so happy to have killed that mouse. Y'all some evil people out there, a bunch of mouse killers. <laughs> Flip it around. You are the mouse. And there's an enemy who is studying you right now. And he knows what it is that you're attracted to. He knows where it is that you go. He knows what it is that you love. He knows what it is that you're going to bite on every time. And you cannot not bite on the trap. And he has an individualized plan for your destruction. And for so many of us, the bait that he uses over, listen, I don't mess around with cheese when it's time to catch a rat. I don't mess around with nothing but the peanut butter. It works every time. What's the devil using with you every time? He knows if he can get you offended at somebody, relationships get severed, the peace goes out the window, you start flapping those gums and running that mouth and everybody around you sees you. And then when you start talking to somebody about, yeah, but I'm a Christian, they might smile, yes, yes, you are, you are, you're a nice Christian. And then they go behind your back and they say, why does he say he's a Christian? He's just like everybody else, always gossiping about people, always offended, always talking about people. And the devil has you right in the trap. And just like your mouse, the devil is ready to throw you out with the Monday morning trash. Well, we're here today to stop that. It stops today, church. It stops today. It stops today, church, because God has a better plan. Anybody want to get on board with the better plan today? I want to give you three things this morning. Three things this morning that can help us uh, in this process of staying out of the trap. How do we do it? Let's go. So we're going to go to the scripture this morning. The first thing that we need to do is we need to see the trap. Everybody say, see the trap. See 
Yeah, see the trap. It's so important that we see the trap. Um, you, you, you know that if you, you see a, 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 a trap has been laid out in front of you on the road, like, like if you're riding down uh, Highway 29 and you see a big pothole or a sinkhole, if you can see it, you're not going to drive off into it. But if you don't see the thing, it's going to destroy you or mess up your car. Well, in terms of offense, we need to be able to see the trap. So we read a passage of scripture a moment ago from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to just go back into those little pieces of it. So in verse 23, it says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Set a little context here. What's that all about? Well, the apostle Paul, you may have heard of him. He wrote about two thirds of the New Testament. The apostle Paul essentially was an older guy now who was a pastor, who was not just a pastor of a church, but he was an apostle. And he was someone who had planted many brand new churches, started from scratch. People didn't even know who Jesus was. He gathered a group together and started a church. That church would grow up. He would put somebody in place to lead that church. Then he would go on to the next one and do it again. Well, the apostle Paul was speaking to his protege, a young man named Timothy. He's actually not speaking, he's writing to him. And he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you're young and you're starting this new church. And I wanna give you some advice on how to handle this new church. You're gonna be dealing with church people. Somebody ought to tell a preacher what it's gonna be like to deal with some church people. Somebody say amen. I love you, God bless you, thank you for coming. Look at the good advice that Paul gives to Timothy. He instructs Timothy to have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. What he's saying is, Paul's saying, Timothy, you don't know it yet, but there are going to be some people who show up in your life. They're just going to want to argue about things. Like they may tell you that Jesus is not the way, or maybe you need to go back to the Jewish way, or they may tell you, you shouldn't have even done that. You should be working somewhere or making a living for your family. He's saying, you better look out because people are coming who are going to try to derail you. It's kind of like people in today's world. Y'all know anybody that just gets sucked into every conspiracy theory that comes around? Y'all know the conspiracy theory people, right? Now, now, don't get me wrong. I get interested in them. I think some of these stories are interesting, but there are people who spend all day digging into the online and watching the videos and, and they get so disturbed and upset about it. One story after another of what could be, what might be, is this really happening? Well, Paul's saying to Timothy, you can waste all your time dealing with all of that, trying to figure out how to debunk the thing, or you can focus your time on what really matters, what we really know, because we really know Jesus. And we really know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Timothy, if you'll focus your efforts on knowing Jesus and communicating Jesus and loving people, don't get tied up in all that other stuff. It's gonna go great. He's telling him, be wise. Don't get sucked into all the arguments. I would say to some of us here this morning, y'all, we gotta be smarter than what we've been. We can't get sucked into all the foolishness that goes on. You ever heard the old saying, uh, never wrestle with pigs? Both of you are going to get muddy, but the pig likes it. Yeah, you can think about that one a little bit. <clears throat> Sometimes we get in the, in the pig slop with the pigs and we, we wrestle and the pig likes it and you're just going to come out muddy. It never works out well. Well, do you have pigs in your life? Do you have people in your life that just want to keep you tied up and stirred up? I wonder this morning if it would be okay for me to say to some of us, maybe there are some people, thank you, Maybe there's some people, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, give Jackie a hand while I give me a swig here. Sarah, thank you. 
Because we're going to keep rolling whether the, work, the throat works or doesn't work. <laughs> That's right, one more. If one was good, two's got to be better, doesn't it? Amen. I wonder if it's okay if I say this morning, <clears throat> might be some people in this house this morning that have got some pigs in your life. Some people that have been in your life for a long time and you can't figure out how to, how to get rid of them. You can't figure out how to move on. It may be that your peace and, 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 and your life, your, your joy in life may not go to the next level that God wants it to go to until you make a decision. Am I going to surround myself with godly people who are chasing after God or am I going to keep going back to the pig pen every day of my life? Doesn't mean that we don't love those people. We absolutely love them. But how many of y'all know there are people in your life that you need to love, but you need to love from a distance because they sucking the life out of you. Yeah, that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. As your pastor, I want to say to you, I want you to have a life that is characterized by love and joy and peace and contentment and all of those things. That's what, that's what, that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Um, there will always be someone in your life that's, that's looking to just set you into a tizzy to give you the opportunity to get all puckered up. And here's the thing. You have a choice. You get to choose whether or not you're going to be offended in every situation that comes up. Look at this verse, Proverbs 22, 3. Some of y'all memorized this a while back. It says, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Y'all remember that? You know, another way of putting that is, is, is you could say that a wise person sees the trap of offense that's set in front of them and chooses not to take the bait. But a fool runs into it every time. My God, we don't want to be the fool that has to continue to take the price. Can I tell you something, man? I have to admit, I've been that fool way too many times. Something pops up in front of me and I take that bait and in my mind I'm saying, how could they be saying this about me? Who do they think they are? Where are they going with this? I've got to set the record straight. What happens when you do that? Can you feel it in your spirit even now starting to you tense up like that? Remember last month we talked about freedom? How can you roll and be free in your life when everything is clenched up? It's like those brakes on the front end of a 10-speed bicycle. Man, when you're clamped down like this, the wheel won't roll. But when you start to loosen things up and let go, the wheel of your life starts to roll freely and freely and freely, and you can go and do and be free to do all the things that God's created you to do. Are you clenched up right now because your daughter didn't do this, because your husband never does this, because that joker at work always cooks sardines in the microwave at 1130, right? It's all kinds of stuff that gets us stirred up. God wants us to let it go and not be offended. Here's the second thing. Stay out of the trap. Stay out of the trap. So number one, we want to see the trap. Then number two, we got to have the good sense to stay out of the trap. Um, so go back to 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. Paul instructs Timothy, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. That means argumentative, easy to get into fights about things, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. <clears throat> truthfully, these are qualifications for a pastor. And some of you might be sitting there thinking right now, well, I don't want to be a pastor. I'm not trying to do that. So I can just go argue with everybody. Well, you can. <laughs> if you don't want to do this stuff and you're happy being unhappy, go be miserable. Enjoy your life. Great. But these same things that Timothy is saying to a young pastor will help your life to be better. 
And it, it, it kind of highlights two groups of people here. I think we can put this on the screen behind me. It can highlight offended people and the unoffendable. Yeah, look at, look at this. Look at the screen here. So on the, on the unoffendable side, if you look at that, those in quotation marks there, that's, that's what Paul's telling Timothy to be, to be unoffendable. He says, be a person who is not quarrelsome. Don't, don't be looking for a fight all the time. But the offended people are always looking for a fight. Every, every situation that comes up, they've got to set the record straight. You're not going to talk about me. You're not going to say that thing. Oh, you were talking about my friend. Let me get into that. I'm offended that you offended somebody else looking for a fight. Paul says, be unoffendable. Don't be quarrelsome. Paul also says, secondly, there, be kind to everyone. Be kind to everyone. Offended people are just mean. I remember when I was in the eighth grade and that joker took a bite out of my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then they moved away to San Diego, but I haven't forgotten it yet. And if I die, I'll get them back for taking that bite out of my sandwich, right? Mean people, I'm going to get you back for whatever. How much time and energy do we spend in our lives worrying about trying to get somebody back? Paul said, don't be like that, man. Be kind to everyone. He says, be able to teach. But the opposite is stubborn and not listen. Here's what I would say to you about that. A person who is able to teach has to have people who are willing to listen to him or her. And I don't want to listen to somebody who I don't feel like can teach me to be what God wants me to be. Does that make sense? A person who is able to teach the people who are sitting there who want to learn from that person should see something in that person that says, man, this person is kind, good, smart, uh, experienced, whatever the case may be. But, but, but the opposite of that is someone who's stubborn and will not listen. A person who is offended all the time is stubborn and it's going to be my way. I'm not listening to anything you say. And number, number four there, he says, patiently enduring evil. Well, the offended people take matters into their own hands. Can we just agree this morning that you don't have to fight every fight that shows up? Like, like, like are, are there some people in this room this morning that have experienced times where there's something that showed up in your life that you felt like you needed to fix it and God says, simmer down, just sit down a minute and let me work on it. And as that thing rolled out, you saw that God took care of it better than you ever could. Anybody seen that? <clears throat> now, let me say this. I'm not saying that we have to let everything go by. There are things that we need to get involved in. I'm glad the Bikers Against Trafficking group is here. That is, a, that is an evil from the pits of hell. People who, who steal children away from their families and put them into these trafficking situations Christians need to be involved. We need to be righteously angry about that and get involved and do whatever we can to stop that. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about just everyday people who want to suck the life out of you, the pigs that come in your life. Man, endure that mess. Let God deal with them and get on down the road. And then the last thing he says here is correcting his opponents with gentleness. A correcting opponents with gentleness is not saying, I was right, you were wrong, I'm going to shove it down your throat. When we see the trap, we have to know how to avoid the trap. That's the trick. And some of you can see when a fence is coming, but you don't have any kind of mechanism in you to be able to avoid it. Am I right? Am I right? They, some of you today are sitting here and you say, yeah, I hear you, Jeff. And I'm sure that would make my life better, but I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. I have got to get into that situation. 
It reminds me of a baseball game when the batter steps into the batter's box. That pitcher knows this batter and this pitcher knows that, that this dude swings at everything. You know what I'm talking about? If I throw a strike right down the middle, he's swinging at it. If I throw a curve ball that's two feet to the outside, he's going to swing at that too. Shoot, I can bounce it two feet in front of the plate and this dude's going to swing at it. Some of us here this morning have gotten so good at swinging at every pitch that the enemy throws at us. How much different would your life be if you learned to see the trap and avoid the trap? You know, there's so much more here than we can do in one week. And so that's why this is a one-month series. We're going to talk about this all month. But here's the last thing, and quite possibly the most important thing of this whole thing. The third thing is to stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. What do you mean by that, Jeff? What's the mission? Well, in another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, maybe you've read that letter. In 1 Corinthians, look at what Paul said. Let's jump out of our main text a minute and go to 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. What does that mean? What Paul is saying is, is there were times when Paul stood in front of the most learned, educated, scholarly people and he gave these eloquent speeches because he knew that that's who he was speaking to. There were times that Paul would stand in front of people who were very poor and uneducated and he would speak in a way that they knew how to, how to understand what he's saying. What Paul is also saying is that when God sends people to me, come on y'all, do we not understand that sinners are gonna be sinners, right? People who don't know Jesus don't have what it takes to live like Jesus wants us to live. So Paul's saying, when people show up and they get angry at me and they, and they say things about me, I don't have to defend that. I'm here as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm here to represent Jesus. And so when they throw rocks at me and when they cuss at me and when they talk about me, I'm going to sit back and let Jesus handle all of that. Why am I going to do that? I do that for the sake of the gospel so that I might save some. Man, I'm talking to people right now. If you're someone who's been a Christian for quite a long time, you should have already gotten this. You should already know this. You should already be living this way. If you're a new Christian, maybe you've never been taught this, but I want you to understand that everything in your world is not about you. It's not always about you. God may bring some people into your life who are just hateful people. But what you may not know is that hateful person is hateful because of things that was done to them when they were a child. They might be hateful because life has never worked out right. They might be hateful because situations have been terrible and nothing has ever worked out. And they've never had anybody to love them. And you look at your life and you might have people who put their arm around you and brought you up and taught you things and loved you and done all the right things. Could it be possible that you've had benefits that other people never had? Could it be possible that the benefits that you've had God brought them because he knew all along that this person who was hateful would not be hateful when they came in contact with you because you could love them with the love that Jesus has shown you. That's what he's saying. Keep your eye on the mission. Go back to our main passage, 2 Timothy 2, back to verse 25. Look at what Timothy says. He said, God may perhaps grant them. He's talking about those people who come with the foolish, ignorant, quarrelsome things. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. What's the truth? 
It's not what's the truth, it's who's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. May grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare. What's a snare? It's a trap. They've been caught. God may be wanting to use you to be the one who gets them set free from the trap. Escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. What if we live like that, church? What if we were able to make a decision today and draw a line in the sand and say, it ends today? God, I didn't understand before, but right now I get it. God, I've been so offendable for my whole life because, because of a lot of reasons. And I've had to stand up for myself and nobody would protect me and nobody would do these things. But God, now I have you. And God, now you're opening my eyes to allow me to see that, that you want to use me to be a protector for others. You want to use me to be a, a witness to others. You want to use me to be a teacher to others. What if it were to end today, church? And what if this church became a group of Christians who actually looked like Jesus, went where Jesus went, did the things that Jesus did, and was able to take the, take the shame that Jesus took? What if we were able to be humble enough to say, you know what, you can say whatever you want to say about me. Do whatever you want to do. Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven to come into our janky, jacked up, messed up as a football bat world and love us, broken people. He says, now, you've seen what it looks like. You can do this. Go make it happen yourself. Why ask you just go into a moment of prayer right there where you are. Just however you do that. If you want to just begin by saying, God, I hear you. God, I hear you. I needed to hear this today, God. I didn't really see myself that way, Lord. But Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit telling me that I got some stuff I need to deal with. God, you know why I am the way I am. You know why I'm so protective over my heart. I've never had anybody to protect my heart. God, you know why I am the way I am had things shoved down my throat. I'm not making excuses, God, but, but Lord, today, what I see is there's some things that I need to change. God, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be swinging at every pitch that gets thrown at me. I, I don't know if I can change it on my own, God, but your Holy Spirit inside of me has changed things that I never dreamed would be changed. I've seen you do it before. You've changed my desires. You've changed my thoughts. You've changed my attitudes. God, I want to live an unoffendable life. And if it's your will, Lord, Lord, I'm not asking for it, but if it's your will to send people into my life who are ornery and cantankerous and hurt, if you'll give me the ability to be calm, trust you, not get caught up in all of the mess, just be a great representative of you. God, you're going to have to teach me. You're going to have to rewire me a little bit. If you'll help me, God, I'll be looking for those opportunities to do that. Lord, I want to represent you well. I want my life to be characterized by love and joy and peace. Not only my life, God, but, but the life that you've given me. I want it to be a light on the hill and shine for everyone around me. Let my life bleed over onto other people so that the Jesus in me makes a difference in my wife and my kids 
people in my workplace, people in my community, people in my city. God, help me to be a catalyst that starts something big that changes because we as a people decide to live unoffended. God, I thank you for what you're doing, not only in my life, but in the life of this congregation. There's some of you who are praying right now. Just stay right there where you are in that attitude of prayer. Maybe you came into this place today and you felt like you were lost. And all of this sounds really good to you. But, 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 but you don't even know really who God is. Or maybe you do and maybe you've been mad at Him because of things that happened that you just don't understand. Maybe there's been something inside of you that's been saying that God loves you. He wants to heal the broken places. That's the Spirit of God calling to you today, saying today is a great opportunity for you to trust in me and give me your life. While everybody else is praying right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, maybe this morning you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Let Him be the Lord of your life, be your Savior. If you want to do that right now, if that's you right there where you're seated, pray over you just a minute, but if you want to give your life to Christ and start a brand new relationship with Him where He takes away all the sin and shame and guilt, gives you a new life, gives you the Holy Spirit that's able to do all these things. If you say, Jeff, that sounds great to me. I've been trying it my way and I've gotten nowhere. I need God to be my Lord. If you want that this morning, with nobody looking around, you just put your hand up in the air and say, Jeff, pray for me when I pray that. I want that. Amen. I see you up here in the front. Can we stand to our feet? Can we give God a hand clap of praise while we're standing to our feet? Come on.